I'm Brandon Hull, and you're listening to Freelance to Founder. Yeah, Copy Blogger is such a fascinating um, entity. And honestly, I think that it just grew into its own thing that none of us who are the founding partners of the entity today, which is Copy Blogger Media, could have ever imagined. Freelance to Founder is a podcast where I talk to entrepreneurs from all walks of life. They've built agencies, consultancies, online courses, products, software. They've launched and grown blogs, turned podcasts into businesses, or some combination of these things. In many cases, they started as freelance pursuits that took on a whole new life and scaled far beyond the founder's expectations and definitely bigger than themselves. Today, you'll hear the story of Sonia Simone, co-founder and chief content officer of Copyblogger. Copyblogger is a massive business that's gone through quite the evolution over the years. If you're into content marketing, you've run across Sonia's and Brian Clark's content at some point. That's all but guaranteed. In this episode, you'll hear about how Sonia came to join forces with Brian in the earliest days, why she never felt comfortable in the corporate world, how Copyblogger's growth has challenged her personal skill sets and priorities, and how she balances her copyblogger work while continuing to do freelance work on the side. We'll get started in just one minute. Whether you want to travel more or communicate better with international clients, you need to try Babbel. I've used Babbel's courses and you can do the same in order to learn real life conversation skills in a different language, order food, ask for directions, or speak to clients without having to use translation apps. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription. This is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash freelance. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash freelance, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L.com slash freelance. Rules and restrictions apply. Without further ado, here's our interview with Sonia Simone, co-founder of Copyblogger. Sonia, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, it is a delight. I'm tickled that you that you asked me, so thank you. Sonia, you have such a diverse background and you are you have one leg in the small business, but we'll call it corporate world, building Copyblogger and another foot uh, solely or another leg squarely in the freelance world. And I think that there's going to be uh, listeners who can absolutely relate to your story very well because you're balancing both parts of those. I think that's going to be a really fun one to get into. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, sometimes I, sometimes I like to say, you know, my strength as a teacher is I've done everything that's hard about this. So <laughs> I'm happy to share. You've been there. The cliche is you've been there, done it, right? You've you've done a little bit of everything. But so we're going to focus initially on Copyblogger. But your story, as I mentioned, is so uh, interesting on the freelance side that we'll probably weave in moments like that as well, where we can talk about what you're doing on the side um, or what you're doing at the same time um, with remarkable communications as well that is important for you, and maybe how the two help one another, how you're. How your efforts with Copyblogger are improved or stronger or better, how Copyblogger is a better brand because of the work that you do through remarkable communications on your own, and vice versa. So what can you tell us about where Copyblogger is today? So many people are very familiar with the brand. They've known it through the years, like 10 years we're talking now. How does that, I know the business has evolved quite a bit. What can you tell us about where Copyblogger is today? Yeah, Copyblogger is such a fascinating um, entity. And honestly, I think that it just grew into its own thing that none of us who are the founding partners of the entity today, which is Copyblogger Media, could have ever imagined. Um, Last year, we sold a big division of our company. We sold Studio Press, which many people know, the Genesis WordPress theme. Um, And that kind of brought us back to our roots in a lot of ways of um, education. I'm really talking about the intersection, the crossroads between copywriting, right? So that's writing for persuasion, obviously, lots of freelance copywriters, selling writing, if you will, um, and content. So creating the material people want to actually read and listen to. That's why it's copy blogger. It was copywriting combined with at that time blogging was content. 
now we have YouTube and we have podcasts and we have all kinds of things. But when Brian started that blog back in, you know, when dinosaurs roamed the earth, um, that was his founding idea was that intersection of creating valuable material, creating personal material that people were interested in. That was is the kind of thing you read at work when you want to kill a little bit of time with that business building persuasive copywriting. And it feels like and, it, it's not just the the blend of the two worlds. It's the actions that somebody might take. Like I, I might read a blog to be smarter because of what the blog was trying to educate me on, to teach me about and so forth. But when I think of copywriting, I think about writing that encourages me to take action now to do something as a result of what I've just read, including calls to action that are built into the way the the copy is structured and everything. Is that an important part of that as well? Yeah, it's really, um, and I, I've written a lot about, and I continue to write a lot about, you know, in some ways, this was really heretical. When Brian Clark found a copy blogger, I mean, people hated what he was doing a lot. The idea that you would blog and that would make money was, you know, horrible, um, especially if you were doing it some other way other than just putting some ads on your your blog. Um but I talk a lot about um, conversion-oriented content marketing. So content, interesting things, that serves that purpose of, of creating the environment where people feel comfortable moving forward. And that's become way more mainstream. So things that used to be, you know, kind of out there a little bit and, and sort of um, exciting and bizarre. Now a lot of people are going to hear this and say, well, sure, isn't that content marketing? Um, but it wasn't always it wasn't always the way. But yeah, you know, the, the content itself ideally is always making a case and helping people understand, you know, those old traditional elements of salesmanship, knowing, liking, and trusting the company before you can move forward with them. Just that good old-fashioned stuff. I mean, there's so much stuff from like Zig Ziglar, you know, that I quote in my content. When you look back, you joined Brian, uh, with Copyblogger, at what point in his founding of his development, you know, just getting started of Copyblogger? You know, Brian did found it like everybody founds a blog, right? It was it was his blog and two subscribers, you know, his email address and his other email address, like everybody does. Um, and Brian went solo and he was quite, I mean, so I was a fangirl. I mean, he was quite well-known and successful. And I just thought he was amazing. I, I was in corporate at that point, trying to figure out how to go solo. I was a religious copy blogger reader. Um, I, I, you know, I bought their first product. Um, I was one of those people who bangs your fingers on the refresh key. So I'm, I'm messing up the server waiting for the launch. Um, so I was a fan, I was a customer before I was a partner. And um, I think Brian got to that point where he was doing well, um, but he was he was freaking tired. You know, he had very little, um, he had very little help. He had very, you know, it was mostly Brian, the brand show, with a little bit of technology help. And so I kind of, I had to actually, and I hope people will take some comfort from this, I was a customer. I was all over his forums in in the platform. I was always like helping people and just being, you know, that helpy helperton kind of person. And um, I wanted to write for Copy Blogger, of course. And I actually had to have a glass of wine before I could send him like a private message on Twitter saying, "Could I, could I write for you?" And then I drank it really fast and I got a little bit a little bit tipsy. <laughs> there was that much admiration. There was that much respect for what he had already built at that point. Yeah, admiration and just nerves, you know, I was just nervous, you know, and, and um, at that point, I had a freelance practice, I had a I had a I had already taken that step to being a founder, I had a, a course, and that was really, you know, probably 85% of my revenue was teaching rather than um, freelance projects. Um, so I had, you know, I was I had, had done some cool things. But yeah, I was still that nervous. I was still that much of a fangirl. And um you know, so I, yeah, I get it. I get it. And, and of course he, I was so busy, right? I was like super busy as a founder. I was still freelancing. I work on my nerve to say, maybe kind of sometimes I could write for you sometimes. And he said, yeah, could, could you do, could you do me a post a week? And I was like, oh <laughs> yeah, 
Yes, I can do that, Mr. Clark. Back then, I'm sure you were you were smitten. Let's say let's say that there was admiration, there was respect for what he had already built at that oh, yeah. point. But even though, even despite that, you joined him very early, and so you've seen this massive evolution um, of the copy blogger brand. I guess we'll call it a brand. I mean, you you saw the you saw the um, the advent of Rainmaker as a as an uh, extension of that brand, and it, like you've seen it, and and then obviously as you mentioned, Studio Press going away uh, a year ago. So I guess I guess my question would be: when you go back in time to the Sonia that joined Brian, did you did you ever think that where you are today, partnered with him, uh, is that is that is that what you pictured? Is that what you is that what you hoped would be an outcome, or uh, is that was that not even the the furthest thought in your mind. You know, much more the the latter, much more. I I had no clue where this thing was going to go. I knew, you know, I knew Coffee Blogger was super super cool, and I would be really proud to be part of it. Um, and I thought, well, maybe you know, we could give courses, and that could I could have basically I could have as as nice a kind of financial stability as I'd had in corporate. You know, I had reached the director level in corporate and I I had a decent quite a decent salary. And replacing that without the feast or famine of freelancing, because I didn't understand about important things like prospecting. Um just getting there, that was like, wow, that would be that would be epic. This world of blogging, um, online course development, uh internet-based businesses um, was not something that you did in your earliest years of your career. And, and even, even though you, you had an eye on, uh, blogs and online forums and, uh, email marketing and all of those components, the way businesses are run today, I guess you could say, or are able to be run today wasn't a thing, let's say back in 2004 or, you know, let alone earlier than then. Um, as, as you look at how things have progressed, Tell me about what you pictured for your career and what you're doing today and how aligned those seem to be. When you, you go back to your early, earliest points of your career, is this type of work something that just would have been completely foreign to the younger, early career Sonia? Well, I have a weird career. I got online very early. I got online in 1989. So that's about four years before the World Wide Web. Um, yeah, I know. <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. So like one of my first jobs, digital jobs, um, was for a company called 101 Online. And I would log into this little terminal. This was before most people would have a computer that could connect to the internet. So I logged into this terminal they would send you and I would pretend to be like 14 different people so that their chat room looked like they had customers make up things and you know I had these little characters and different you know it was crazy right it was crazy so I have actually made money to put words together online for a super long time in in, relative to you know what most people have done um I I would not have thought there are a lot of things I wouldn't have I never would have thought that I would be a marketer because I was always really nervous about selling and marketing, very uncomfortable with it. So that, that surprises me that so much of my identity as a, um, as a professional is as a marketer, you know, I mean, as a business owner, your first job is to protect your confidence. Um, and then your second job is to, is to market your business, you know, so that's, that's different. Um, but the idea that I could put words together and then put them out onto the internet and somehow money would come in, I was actually a fairly early um, believer in that. That's incredible. I, so you saw, you saw what others eventually capitalized on, but you saw that as a possibility even in the earliest years. That's, that's pretty neat to hear. At what point did you start to dabble in freelance work where you were actually doing this and making some money on the side while maybe you had a day job as well? When did you start to pick up the the bug of freelancing from a writing standpoint, maybe in the course development standpoint? When did that really become an important part of your income personally? 
Yeah, um, I was in corporate. I had, by anybody's standards, a good corporate job um, for a very, you know, um, a very sexy company. It was a it was a great brand. Um, we had a flashy product that was all all great. And I was um, I'm not a good team player in corporate. <laughs> I I am a problem child, as anyone who worked with me back in the day could say, is nodding their heads and saying, oh man, she was bad. Um, Sonia, I hear that, by the way, from so many people we have on the show. Like That is why they end up being drawn so much to starting their own business or becoming a partner in a business is that notion that I just don't fit in, in, these, in with these constraints or in this type of environment, this type of corporate bureaucratic environment. Yeah, there's a reason Brian's podcast is called Unemployable. I mean, you know, it's it's a thing. Um, so yeah, so I, you know, I I had landed the good job. Um, it was an interesting time because that was, um, gosh, that would have been 2008. So October 2008, we had this little thing called the global financial meltdown that was affecting, you know, everything. And um, I definitely had a sense that we had had quite a few layoffs and I I could see that I might be uh, included in that number. But, you know, even before that happened, I just, it wasn't a good fit. I was frustrated. I was not making my colleagues' lives any better. Um, And I was this avid copy blogger reader. You know, I just thought copy blogger and and Seth Godin and pro blogger, I, you know, I just thought these were the most wonderful, magical things that were starting to point to some models, to some models. I thought, you know, this makes sense. Their advice is smart. And I know I can do that. And I was content marketing. I, we didn't call it content marketing back then, but I led a content marketing team um, that was doing millions of dollars in revenue. So I knew how to do it. And I was good at it. Um and I was, you know, young and ridiculous, and I just, um, I just took the leap. Although, you know, when I when I went freelance, my son was three. So, and I'm the I'm the sole breadwinner in my family. So, um, it was a nerve wracking. It was a nerve wracking situation. But um, I I just had a sense that I, you know, I had a sense I'm I I want to I want to trust myself. I want to do this. What type of freelance work? consumed your income? What, what, what was the primary type of work that you did on the side? Mostly I did um, nurturing content. I mostly did email sequences and newsletters. I did a lot of, you know, I called my, um, my side business Remarkable Communication. The tagline was Remarkable Business Relationships Begin with Remarkable Communication. And um, I still, you know, believe that. <laughs> I still observe that. And so, yeah, I did a lot of nurturing content, um, paving the path to the sale, um, getting the opt-in, keeping the opt-in, keeping people engaged. Mm -hmm. So work far beyond your traditional outsourced writing. This is, this is writing that had a pointed goal as an outcome, uh, a conversion oriented goal as an outcome, right? Yeah. Yeah. Even before, I mean, and I didn't have, there's so many great resources now that I would have loved to have had, you know, back in the day. So I was, I was going on, you know, but I, but again, I did have those sites that um, at least showed me what some best practices would be. Um, What I was missing was really good advice on how to be a freelancer. And actually, if I'd had that advice, I don't know that I would have started the businesses. And so I would have, you know, I'm I'm glad maybe I didn't have them because that's been a really rich thing as well. Well, if you're if you were to t- sit down and talk with your former self that did a lot of freelancing versus a little freelancing or some or adequate amount of freelancing today, what do you specifically wish you knew and uh, wish you knew then? That is something that's still sort of uh, maybe not as talked about or not uh, emphasized enough for freelancers. That's an important part of living that life. Yeah. Um, for well, for one thing, I wish I had known earlier and had more confidence earlier. What I know is not is not necessarily come easily to everybody, and people would love to learn that. So I wish I'd had the confidence earlier on that I should be teaching what I know how to do because um, I've had so much happiness 
from from doing that. And then the other thing I wish I had known back in the day as a freelancer is just how to um, how to reach out to people and let them know you're available to do work. Um, I relied a hundred percent on inbound. And I, you know, I scraped by, but if I had just done a little tiny bit of outreach, um, I would have been a lot less stressed out. Yeah. I think many freelancers can probably relate to that. Well, let's, let's fast forward a little bit into, uh, your time, your early years time with, uh, Brian at copy blogger. And since you were there, uh, even early on, um, we could, we could talk probably a lot about that, that, that getting together story, you know, how the two of you had the dance of, of beginning to write for him and how that evolved and, and expanded from there. But let's fast forward into it just a little bit and talk about um, how you, how the site grew and in stature, in traffic, in revenue, and even then expanded in terms of offerings. Can you, what can you tell me about the earliest years, how you and Brian worked together to build the brand? What were some of the things that you did in building that, not just as a blog, but to go beyond that, to become an actual platform, to become a services provider, what were the decisions that you made and how did you go about that process? Yeah, it was always an interesting tension. And this is why having partners is so can be such a um, so valuable for your growth, but also um, it's what makes it tricky. You know, I'm always the one who I, I'm a small is the new big person. I'm all about being small, one-to-one, very organic, um, high touch. Brian can't think small. It's like he doesn't have that part of his brain. It doesn't work. So that was always a tension and it was a very, it was a productive tension. Um, I, I think kept us grounded in the customer. I think I kept us grounded in the relationship. I think I kept the voice of the blog grounded in, you know, um, helping people where they are and really relating people, you know, at all, at all levels. Brian had a vision, um, for bigger things. And so Brian, you know, Brian's the reason we had events, which were these crazy big parties and, and, Everybody talked about them. I mean, they just about killed our team to produce. So we don't do them now because we would spend eight months putting this event together, you know. Um, but they were glorious, you know, they were glorious. And so, um, you know, Brian started off writing the blog and then working with selected partners in different ways. So he worked with a gentleman named Sean Jackson to create a product called um, um Oh my goodness gracious, that's just out of my head, an SEO product. Um, it became part of everything we do, and now it's so much part of everything we do, I can't even remember the name. Um, and he, you know, he worked with a WordPress designer and he worked with different people. Copy blogger media was about taking everybody's side projects basically that they had been doing with Brian and pulling them into one larger entity. Once we did that. All of us in the cross pollination just went crazy, and then we were all just pretty much hanging on by our fingernails for the ride, you know, because opportunities and and um, areas to explore were coming at us faster than we could even, you know, think. Um, and so that's it was, you know, slow, steady, interesting, incremental, and then sort of the. I think joining with Studio Press, the, the you know the match hit the fuse and and everything really took off. Have you ever noticed that many of the problems people call in with on this show can be solved by hiring someone? Sometimes you need a full fledged team. Other times, maybe just a simple assistant or an expert in something you're not great at. Whatever your reason for hiring, we recommend you take a look at LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. As you may know already, LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. It gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. And LinkedIn Jobs makes the process of finding the perfect teammate easy and intuitive. Hiring is always easy when you have access to so many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours when using LinkedIn Jobs. I've used it myself, and it was so simple. In fact, I've made multiple hires using LinkedIn Jobs, and did I mention, by the way, it's free to business owners like me and you. Post your job for free at linkedin.com freelance. That's linkedin.com 
linkedin.com slash freelance to post your job for free or click the link in our show description. Terms and conditions apply. You know, working from home is mostly great, but there are some days when I realize I haven't left my house or even my chair like all day. Have you been there? Getting outside to exercise or making a trip to the gym are just harder now that my office is just a flight of stairs away. If you're stuck in the same rut as me, then you should try Hydro. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W. With the Hydro rower and 20 minutes a day, getting a full body workout is so much easier. Hydro can work up to 86% of your muscles in just 20 minutes for an insane effective home workout. That's because Hydro pairs the effectiveness of rowing with the power of technology to connect you with over 5,000 video trainings, classes, and workouts. And get ready to get out from behind your home desk because after a few months of daily rowing with Hydro, your partner's gonna wanna take you out for a night on the town to show you off. This spring, join the growing rowing community at Hydro. Head over to hydro.com and use code FREELANCE to save up to $400 off your Hydro. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W.com and promo code FREELANCE to save $400. Hydro.com, promo code FREELANCE, or just click the link in our show description. Do you feel like that that is a lesson to be learned for others who want to build sort of their own separate from themselves platform or brand online and turn it into you know, a, uh, you know, a, a, a fully fledged, um, ongoing revenue source for them with courses and all, and all of that sort of thing that, that you've got to find the right mix of promotional activities, collaborations and so forth. Or do you feel like, you know what, you guys just hustled like crazy and good things came of that. Or is there an actual template that you followed that you feel like people need to follow as well? I, you know, I think it's, it's a little bit of all of the above. I mean, I think every business, is as unique as every person is unique. And so, you know, the story of Copyblogger, if you tried to do it, just, you know, follow it step by step, what you ended up with would be different, would be very different. Um, I think a couple of our strengths, our partners had really different strengths. And so, um, you know, Sean Jackson is very analytical. He's a, fi- he's a finance guy out of Dallas. Um, plus he has this passion for SEO that's really amazing. You know, Brian has a big vision, but he also trained as an attorney. So he had um, that attorney's instinct for being mindful of, um, you know, potential um, negative outcomes. Um, You know, Gardner, Brian Gardner and I are both super community people with a long history in digital community and a lot of kumbaya. You know, Tony Clark was a was an operations guy, very behind the scenes, very much, you know, um, thinking about, you know, the, the back end, thinking about the back end processes. So we had such different strengths. Usually five business partners is a real uh, kind of a red flag. Because Recipe for disaster? It's, it's really hard to keep five, you know, five sled dogs pull in the same direction. It's just really difficult. But I think for us, it worked because, A, because Brian has an outsized personality, frankly, um, and B, because we had such different strengths that nobody really stepped on anybody's toes. You know, I never felt like, um, I always felt like I could do what I was really good at. And there were things that weren't necessarily my strong suit. And I just didn't, didn't worry about it much because I knew I had a partner who had that. So it's, it's pretty unusual. Were there any walls that you guys hit a copy blogger that you wouldn't mind sharing that those of us on the outside who have uh, had our own admiration or respect for copy bloggers, um, uh, expansion plans over the years and gr- and absolutely growth over the years, but were there any walls that the company hit that you had to plow through that represented real crossroads moments? Yeah, I think, um, you know, one that nobody talks about is growth, what rapid growth um, does to companies. Everybody wants it. Everybody wants that explosive growth, but it's called explosive, I think, for a reason. Um, you know, you bring on too much team. You bring on team members who are amazing, who are wonderful. And then um, we we were so agile that we would, you know, kind of 
maneuver ourselves right out of whole lines of business and say, you know, that line of business is not necessarily where we should be putting our energy. Um, so that's that's a freaking hard. Is hard. Uh, growth is hard. Growth is much harder than people think. If if I had it, if I could sort of wave, you know, get in the TARDIS and go back in time, um, I, I wouldn't be able to do it. I'd never be able to convince Brand to to <laughs> to grow slow and steady, but. Um, maybe I could, could slow it down a little because I think the slower you grow as a business, not stagnate, you don't stagnate, but slow, moderate growth, um, is the healthiest growth. And so, yeah, we had, we had growing pains like crazy. We had times when we had no idea what we were doing. Like literally, we didn't know what our company did because we had, again, we have these partners with strong areas of expertise. Um, and, you know, I don't under, I don't understand the first thing about WordPress themes. I'll just tell you that right now. <laughs> I don't know. You know, we have all these, we have this huge team of programmers. I don't know what they do. I don't know how to manage them. So um, you do, and, and as an identity, I think that was hard for me. Coming out of corporate, having a big attitude problem about corporate, and then becoming corporate was hard on me. It was hard on you in in what ways? Are you talking strategically, emotionally, um, or, or just from a skill set standpoint? Uh, yes, <laughs> all of the above. But where uh, where was it most painful or taxing? I think you know it was hard on my identity because again I had sort of this small as the new big identity, and so we were kind of kind of big by all my by my standards, certainly. Um, not knowing everybody who worked for the company was weird. It was really hard for me. Um, and having employees who maybe felt, um, you know, like intimidated by me or, or nervous about approaching me because they didn't know me. And I thought, well, this is crazy. I mean, you know, I'm pretty approachable. Um, but it's natural. It's a natural thing in a bigger organization that newer people, um, you know, they don't know the executive team and they're a little, a little slow to, to approach them. So, and just having like an executive team, you know, um, and maybe the fact that were you distributed as well, I assume. Uh, yeah, yeah. So that, that has to play into some of this as well. Like we're, we're still, companies are still trying to figure out how to work with remote employees that are, or an entirely distributed team. We're, we're, I think we had, we, we, we actually, that was kind of in our DNA because um, Brian Gardner's um, outside of Chicago and Tony Clark's in North Carolina and Sean Jackson's in Texas. And Brian and I, Brian started in Texas and he and I are in Colorado. So there was always some of that, but it is a different thing to have like VAs or, you know, um, the kind of micro business things distributed versus running a team of developers distributed is a different, is a different ball game. And I think we all kind of thought, well, we know how to do that. And then you realize it's, you know, um, it's, it's, it's its own skill set. I mean, it's all every day, but this is business every day is about figuring out a problem. You didn't even know was a problem yesterday. Yeah. You've, you've invented an opportunity that then invites additional challenges that you're, you have not ever had to grapple with grapple with. Yeah, exactly. Well put. Hmm. And meanwhile, working through these, again, I think they are emotional uh, challenges. Uh, they're, they're, they're the stressors that are, I shouldn't say call them emotional challenges. They are the stressors that are created by having an environment that you're not accustomed to, or maybe even prefer. But so meanwhile, you're living this world, but also, <coughs> excuse me, also running your, your freelance business on the side as well, right? All this time? Um, I, my freelance business took a very long hiatus. Okay, okay. <laughs> it took a very long hiatus. I, um, I decided to fold in my course um, into Copyblogger Media. So that was great because then I could just take great care of those people and, and I had new resources. So that was superb. Um, the freelance, um, I was... You know, for for so many years, it was such a roller coaster at Copyblogger that, again, you know, it was like that was my whole. You know, if I had two minutes to think about something else, you know, I, I'm a I'm a real family person. 
Um, family is very important to me. So that was time for my kid and some travel and some things like that. But the, the change came when we sold Studio Press, uh, the Studio Press division, to WP Engine. And all of a sudden I had something I hadn't had for literally years, which was a little bit of time to think um, and sort of say, well, what do I want to be when I grow up? Because I've been in this <laughs> alternate reality, right, for for years. Um, and... I remembered the, the parts I loved about freelancing and I, I thought, I'm going to see if I can get back to that, to, to the client work, the aspects of the client work I loved um, with, you know, a little more years under my belt and a little more, a little more visibility, just a little bit. And, um, and having learned, hopefully, a couple of things about business and about marketing and about all that good stuff. As the copy blogger, brand and company have evolved, especially with the lead up to ultimately um, separate from Studio Press. How did that change how you and Brian viewed what needed to happen with Copyblogger and how your time changed? Let's just call it the nine to five, right? When you're working on, on the company itself, how did the, your vision for what the company should be and could be evolve? Yeah, it, it was, it's interesting. And I mean, I think anybody who's ever gone through an identity shift on a personal basis um, could relate to this, that you know, you had to sort of sit down and figure out, because we were mostly a software company, we were primarily a software company, and now we're mostly a content and education company, um, which again is the roots. Um, but, you know, we wanted to fill fresh and relevant and we want it to be um we don't want to just i i personally have this superstition you can't step in the same river you can't go back to what used to be it just i find it never really works you have to create something new you have to keep moving forward um and so we're just you know we're really in experimentation mode again which is um which is really fun i was talking with my my editor uh, our editor in chief at Copy Blogger about deliberately giving yourself imposter syndrome by trying things and experimenting with things that you're not sure how to do yet, and it's it's very <coughs> uncomfortable. But at least when you do it to yourself on purpose, you, you're kind of prepared. That's a um, whole new blend of getting out of your comfort zone. Yeah, you know, doing it on purpose. Okay. Um, so yeah, so we're trying some, we're trying some new things and we're, we're having those moments that, you know, I, I remember well from my own early days of when you start to get traction and when you're looking for that, um, product to market fit and you, know, you try a few things and they do okay. And then you try something and everybody's like, we want more of that. It's like, oh, there it is. So it's really exciting. Um, and honestly, I mean, I can't lie. It's, it's amazing to have the platform, the audience, and the team. You know, those are not things I had when I was starting. So it's it's a place of great, great privilege, and I'm very grateful for it. Well, over the years, Copyblogger has um, absolutely been a hub for how-tos, uh, tactically, but even more importantly, from a strategy standpoint. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Content more, excuse me. <coughs> Content marketing strategy is an area of deep expertise for you personally. And I want to talk about that here in just a few minutes, but the content that I see you guys publishing more and more, maybe as the uh, evolution of content marketing as an idea uh, continues is not just about the, the strategy and how to, but just as much about personal life as a, as a content marketer. Um, There's even some of your recent posts, uh, self-care, You've got issues here on self-care. Um, you've got uh, topics here on, um, you know, creating your own sort of challenges to kind of keep yourself engaged. And there's, it's almost like there's lifestyle topics here for the content marketer as well. Do, do you feel like, and tell me if I'm just missing a trend or if that was just a couple one-offs, but do you feel like that's an important topic that uh, is almost like an element elephant in the room that people are not addressing enough is the stress of being a content marketer? Um, I think it is. I think it is. I think, you know, I was in um, a very high level mastermind for four years 
you know, um, everybody in the room is making a skillion dollars, you know, that kind of thing. And and so I'll, I'll give you guys some insights about what goes on in that kind of room. Everybody talks about where their head is all the time. That's that's it's so much of it because business is about execution always. But execution is about where your head is. You know, most of us more or less know what to do. There's always some things we can try. There's new ideas. Um, there's some new little refinements we can put into place. But most of the time, we don't see growth because we're either not in a good mental or creative space to execute or because we're in a not in a good space. And so what we're doing is just the same old, same old. We're doing the same old thing because it's comfortable. Um, so we work all day long. We get lots of work done, but we don't see progress because we don't have that creative confidence. So I'm really banging a drum right now about taking care of yourself, not just as a content marketer, but as a business owner, taking care of yourself as a creative, just the same way that, I'm, you know, I'm, um, I, I recently was, again, crazy privilege. Um, I was lucky enough because I work remotely to be able to spend a year living in Rome. So that does that doesn't suck, right? That's pretty great. Um, and I started sketching again. I hadn't drawn since I was in high school, but I, I wanted to sketch this place, right? And I kept being struck by the things that a visual artist, somebody who draws, somebody who paints, the things that you face as a visual artist are the same things you face as a writer. And they're the same things that you face as a business owner. It's the same issues of growth and fear. And you, you, you know, you kind of make yourself do something and it's so hard. You're, you're literally sweating. And then you've done it two or three times and you realize it wasn't that big a deal. Um, the same theme has come up again and again. And, you know, business is creative. Business is creative work as much as painting or watercolor or, or drawing are. Um, and so I think that's where a lot of that taking care of yourself as a creative um, is coming from on, on Copyblogger. So as you, as you look at what life will now be like for Copyblogger in the years to come, but, but not even so much the years to come, but just the the year or two to come, what do you see for what you will need to do and maybe even how you'll need to spend your time to help with this next phase, this next uh, chapter for Copyblogger? How will your time be spent and what are the, what are the things that, that somebody from the outside should expect to see from, from you and Brian? Yeah, we're, um, you know, and I say going back to our roots, but the fact is I've been teaching a Copyblogger and teaching, you know, at a, a both on the blog, but also behind the scenes in, um, in our in our community of marketers for a long time. Um, so that identity, I actually write a lot more of my own copy now than I used to. I used to, um, I used to lean more on Brian actually to do the copy, but um, I write more of our like funnels now, which is kind of kind of great. I it's like. I, I kind of love it. It's really stressful, but I, I kind of love it. Um, I work really, really tightly with my editorial team. Um, we, we, to some degree, outsourced that for a while. We had somebody who was, who was very, very, very capable and wonderful. Um, who was managing the writers and deciding what was going to be on the blog every week. I'm uh, more connected to that now. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, more education and um, and just taking it's every day, literally is looking at our education and saying, what does that look like today? Because the 21st century and digital marketing is all about what are the enduring best practices? And then what's different? You know, what is changing? We, we are keeping a super close eye on like email because email has always been like super high ROI. It's always been the thing, but there's always that like when is the moment when email is going to stop working? I don't think we're there yet, but, um, you know, I'm also, again, I got online in 1989. I know things don't stay the same. Um, 
if there's one rule, it seems like there you can count on there being another chapter that every online oriented business has got to be willing to start at any given moment, right? That you might have a run that lasts for two to four years or maybe longer if you're lucky, but you've got to be willing to not be so married to your tactics and even your strategies uh, from a marketing standpoint that you don't see what you should be pivoting to. Yeah, no, you know, absolutely. I can't stress that enough. And, but the, the cool side of that is that as you're starting or reinventing yourself or starting a new chapter, like everybody else is starting too, because we're the whole, the whole gig is constantly reinventing. So you can sort of jump into the merry-go-round at a lot of different places. And I think it's so easy to feel like I missed out. It used to be so much easier, you know, now it's like all the, you know, this is gone or, you know, and certain things. I mean, it used to be a lot easier to rank on the search engines. No question. Um, It used to be a lot easier to get attention with content. Yeah. Cause there was like one, one hundredth of it. Um, but there's always new new things bubbling up that you're going to be able to kind of grab hold of and ride and and so that's that's like what's exhausting, but it's also what's really cool. Yeah. How have your skills rounded out personally as you've gone through these evolutions uh, or these uh, new chapters opening and closing with Coffee Blogger? Where where are you at today personally with what fulfills you and what you feel? Uh, your level of satisfaction with how you have become more well-rounded as far as your skill sets go and what you feel like you can tackle from an uncertainty standpoint and even, you know, tactically with, with being involved with a company that's uh, larger than you initially anticipated. How, who, who is Sonia today and how have you evolved? Where are you at today with all of that? I am much tougher today than I was at the outset. You know, when I started, I was, um, kind of insecure and um, conflict averse. And, you know, there were a lot of things I didn't think I could do. There were a lot of things I thought, oh, I I just, I'm not ever going to be able to be very good at that. Um, And I don't, I've, I've faced that so many times at this point that I just look at it and say, yeah, that's, that's that again. That's fine. I know how to do that. I've done that a million times. You know, you, you do, you learn, you get, um, you know, it's sort of like there's an old Buddhist story about the, the guy, you know, wrestling his demons and the final demon he's able to manage when he just invites it in for tea. It's like, you know, good to see you. Come on in. That's fine. Have a seat. Um, I'm, I'm much tougher than I used to be. I've seen a lot of things. I've done things I didn't think I could do. And now if there's something I don't think I could do, I'm able to say like, yeah, you know. I've felt that before. It works out all right. There's a certain calm that you have now because of what you weathered. And does that give you more confidence in the type of work that you take on on the side uh, with, and, and that you filter through remarkable communications? Or does that give you a little bit different perspective or renewed focus for what you could do with CopyBlock or both? It's, it tends to be, copy blogger will be where I'll, I'll kind of, um, that's where I tend to kind of earn my chops, you know, um, because I can take, I can say, I'm going to try this thing out in a promotion. And if it doesn't work, essentially, I've like loaded some things I didn't have to load into ConvertKit. It's not that big a deal. You know, I don't, I'm not wasting somebody else's. I, I don't like to do experiments on a client's time. So I like to kind of polish my chops, get, get great. Um, a copy blogger, and then I can take those insights to client work. Um, you know, when I really have some, um, I still, you know, this is where I, I mentioned imposter syndrome, which is brutal. And I think a lot of people have a brutal time with it, but not just assuming that you're good at things is a really good way to make sure that you're good at things before somebody else relies on you. I, I really do. I try and make sure I'm good at something before I ask somebody else to, to rely on it. That's pretty, that's pretty powerful. That's suggesting that you believe in becoming a, a doer of the thing and a master of the thing before you count on somebody to follow your prescription. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Is there too much of that right now? Too much preaching without doing? Too much, uh, especially in the content marketing world, do you think there's just too much of that going on right now? 
Well, sure. But there's, there's always too much of that. I mean, that was what frustrated me about corporate is you had the class of people who were doing all the work and getting all the results. And then you had the class of people who were claiming all the credit, um, you know, doing these crazy things like stuff like right out of some kind of sitcom, you know, of business development guys who would like come into the office, like they would sleep in the office, you know, to show how hard they were working. Well, they mm. weren't, they weren't getting anything done, right? right? They were playing you know, computer games and all the rest of it. Um, so that's, that's, I think, always, always been there. I think that's, that's always going to be a factor. The people who do and the people who demonstrate confidence are not always the same people. Um, so if you're, you know, if you're good, I think then it's on you to, confidence is a skill and it can be learned and it can be strengthened. You strike me as a person who's not just confident today, Sonia, but one who feels uh, satisfied with where you're at today and what you've accomplished. Uh, yes and no. Yes and no. I mean, I do. I feel very proud and I feel very good about things that, that I have done in my career and things we have done as a company. Um, and at the same time, I, I that's probably an entrepreneurial thing. Man, I could give you a list of a hundred things. It's like this needs to be different. This needs to be better. You know, so it's it's you know it's a it's a balance, and it should be. It should be my worst enemy, and this is probably true of many people listening to this. Is boredom. As soon as I get bored, I start to break things. So yeah, you gotta always have something to look forward to. I think that's an incredible note to, to finish on, Sonia. Is is always <laughs> having something to look forward to. Thank thank you so much for spending some time with me this afternoon. I really appreciate the conversation today. It's it's so much fun to just be able to look back and geek out a little. So I really, I really appreciate that opportunity. Thank you. That was Sonia Simone, co-founder of Copyblogger. We are so glad to have had her on. What a tremendous thing that they've built with Copyblogger. Despite a huge evolution of the company through the years, even as recently within the last 12 months. Coming up next week, We've got the founder of Wave.co, and that is W-A-V-V-E.co. His name is Baird Hall. This guy started up an obscure company that nobody knows about called You Talk Sports. It failed, but he took numerous lessons learned and poured them into the founding of Wave. Thank you to my co-producer, Preston Lee, founder of Milo and admin of the Milo Mastermind community on Facebook, as well as our incredible assistant, Bilal, for helping put this episode together. We're a proud member of the Podglomerate Network as well, which features other shows like Rocket Ship, The Feast, Two Girls, One Podcast, and numerous other great ones. Thanks for listening, everyone. Catch me at Brandon Hull on Twitter if you like, and feel free to drop your rating or review on whichever podcast platform you prefer. We'll catch you next time on Freelance to Founder. The Podglomerate, a sonic universe.